Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. Sometimes it's just me, and other weeks I'm in conversation with another rabbi or a Jewish thought leader. All right, welcome back, everyone. I hope you've had a great holiday season and a wonderful new year. I'm excited to be back together today because we are going to finish the book of Genesis, the book of Bereshit. I didn't fully intend to not record a podcast last week for Vayigash, but then I got sick, and then it was Wednesday, and then it was Thursday, and then I just decided to take the week off. So I beg your forgiveness, but here we are together again. One quick announcement before I get started, which is I want to tell you about a class that I'm offering on Zoom starting two weeks from now on Wednesday, January 18th, and running for four Wednesdays in the evenings. I'll be offering a class on radical Jewish views of God. It's called Beyond the Old Man in the Sky. And what we're going to do over those four weeks is to look at the writings of various Jewish thinkers who have had non-traditional things to say about God. People like Maimonides and Spinoza, Judith Plaskow, people who have written about ways to think about God that are maybe outside of the traditional, quote-unquote, man in the sky. So it's a way of thinking about our own theology, about our own beliefs, and about our own relationship to Judaism and to traditional beliefs. If you're interested in joining me for those four Wednesday evenings on Zoom, uh, you can sign up on our website at laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K dot org, and click under Current Offerings, or send me an email at rabbistreifer at gmail.com, and I'll put all of this into the episode notes so that you can uh, get the link. And I look forward to seeing some of you in the classroom, in the virtual classroom. Now, speaking of virtual classrooms, we are finishing the book of Bereshit this week. We're reading Parshat Vayechi. Vayechi in Hebrew means he lived, because it begins with a reference to Jacob living out his life in the land of Egypt. What we missed last week was Joseph reuniting himself with his brothers and inviting the entire family to come down and live in Egypt. Of course, there's famine all around the world. Things are not good in Canaan. And Joseph, who is still Grand Vizier over Egypt, has lots of access to resources. He is the distributor of food for Egypt and for the world. So this is a good deal for Joseph's brothers. It's also a good deal for Joseph, who gets to be reunited with his father Jacob after more than 20 years of the two of them not seeing one another. And of course, of Jacob believing that his son was dead. So in Vayechi, we learn that Jacob lives another 17 years down in the land of Egypt and gets to have contact with his son again. This Parsha revolves in many ways around a series of blessings or predictions or testaments that Jacob gives to his 12 sons on his deathbed. He predicts who will thrive and who will rule over whom and who will do well and who won't do well. Uh, Medieval commentators saw this as prophecy, as Jacob's predictions for his sons. Modern scholars tend to think of it as a reflection of the later geopolitical situation, when those sons actually represent the twelve tribes of ancient Israel. 
Either way, what we have is a kind of a last will and testament of the great patriarch Jacob or Israel, what he says to his children right before he dies. And what I want to focus on is actually what happens right before those blessings, when Jacob gives a special set of blessings, not to his sons, but to his grandsons. Now, by way of reminder, Joseph has two children. Their names are Ephraim and Manasseh. And Ephraim and Manasseh were both born in Egypt, which makes sense because Joseph's been living in Egypt now for decades and decades. They were born in the early years of Joseph's viziership, if that's a word, over Egypt, during the years of plenty. And their names represent the way that Joseph was feeling about his homeland and his current land at the time. The name Manasseh, the Torah says means, God has caused me to forget my homeland. And Ephraim, the younger brother, the Torah says it means, God has made me fertile here in this land. So these boys and their names represent the very complex relationship Joseph has, both with the place he came from and the place where he is. We know that Joseph has not ceased to feel connected with his Israeliteness and with his family because he cares very much about reuniting with them. But we also know that Joseph has thrown in his lot with Egypt and lived his life there. He has become a diaspora Jew, essentially. And so Ephraim and Manasseh are an interesting symbol of that. They are Egyptian Jews. We have to imagine they were the only Hebrews, the only Israelites in their class or in their friend group, since of course there were no others. And we have to imagine that maybe they had some kind of a different identity than all the Egyptians around them. And what happens in this week's Parsha, I think, plays into that idea. So let me read this section for you. This is the beginning of Genesis chapter 48. It says, Sometime later, Joseph was told, Your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, he goes to see his father, brings the two boys with him, and when they walk in, Jacob starts talking about these boys. He says, Your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt, they shall be mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, no less than Reuben and Simon. In other words, Jacob has decided to adopt his grandsons as his own sons, to give them an equal lot in his legacy and in his estate. He goes on and on about them, about how they'll be recorded as if they were his, about how they are sons of Jacob no less than the others, about how he's doing this because he misses his wife, Rachel, who died on the side of the road. That, of course, is their grandmother. So Jacob talks about his two grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh, at length. Then it says, this is verse 8, Vayar Yisrael et b'nei Yosef. Jacob noticed Joseph's two sons, Vayomer mi'ele, and he said, Who are these? So Jacob has just been talking about his grandsons for the last however many minutes, and then he looks up. He sees these two men standing in the room, and he says, Who are they? This is a very strange passage. Why didn't Jacob recognize his own grandchildren, especially when he had just been talking about them? And the commentators ask the same question. So Ibn Ezra, the 11th century Spanish commentator, says that it's because Jacob was blind. He was not able to clearly see and recognize 
their faces. That's interesting because, of course, Jacob earlier in life had taken advantage of his own blind father, Isaac, in order to get the blessing that should have rightfully belonged to his older brother. So it's an interesting poetic justice that Jacob is now unable to see in a moment where he's looking to give his blessing to his children or grandchildren. So that's one possibility. The commentator Rashi reads it differently. Rashi says that he wished to bless them, but the divine presence departed from him because he saw that from Ephraim would be born wicked kings. In other words, he saw the future evil actions of people who would descend from his grandchildren, and he suddenly didn't recognize them anymore. But my favorite explanation for this comes from the Eitz Chaim, which is the conservative commentary, and it suggests the following. It says maybe his vision has begun to fail, as happened to his father Isaac, or did he fail to recognize Ephraim and Manasseh because, having been born and raised in Egypt, they were indistinguishable from Egyptian youths. In other words, Jacob's just been talking about his grandsons, how he's adopting them, how much they are like him. And then he looks up and he sees these two Egyptians wearing, I don't know, their Egyptian clothing, and he doesn't recognize them. They don't look like what he thinks the children of Israel are supposed to look like. And he's momentarily taken aback by it and not sure who they are. It's an interesting hypothesis, right? And I think it's reflective of what we sometimes see in the real world. How often does one generation look at the next generation and not recognize it? Either it's clothes or the way it acts or the way it thinks. We have a tendency to see what's different in our children and grandchildren rather than recognizing the ways that our values have passed to them, even if they are different from us. And the Midrash says that Ephraim and Manasseh had an answer to this, that Ephraim and Manasseh looked up at their grandfather Jacob, also known as Israel, and answered, Shema Yisrael, listen, Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, the Eternal is our God, the Eternal alone. So their answer to him is, we may look different, we may dress differently, we may be struggling with and thinking about different things, but our core values haven't changed. We still believe the things that you passed down to us, and we still maintain the traditions and the legacy that come from Israel. And I like to think that Jacob was comforted by that, and that he knew then that his ideas, his teachings would be kept alive but also that they wouldn't be kept exactly the same. And that's the way Judaism ought to be. Every generation receives the traditions from those who came before us. Every generation owns them and loves them, but makes them our own. And Judaism never looks exactly the same in one generation as it did 50 years earlier or 100 years earlier. So with that, Jacob blesses his grandchildren, then goes on to bless the rest of his children, and then he dies. And at the end of the Parsha, Joseph and the rest of that generation die as well. And the Israelites are settled in Egypt. When we meet again next week, it'll be 400 years later. Their descendants will all have been enslaved, and it'll be time for the Exodus. As we complete this book of the Torah, it's traditional to say, Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazek. Be strong, be strong, and let us strengthen one another. Thank you for the strength that you bring me as we continue to learn together, and I look forward to this continued journey of study.
Just a reminder that my class on Radical Jewish Views of God begins Wednesday evening, January 18th, and it runs for four Wednesdays in a row at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, which is 4.30 p.m. Pacific. And you can sign up by going to laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org, and click on Current Offerings, or send me an email, rabbistreifer at gmail.com. 7-Minute Torah is a production of Laasok. Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7minutetorah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.